0: Welcome to Stupid Beautiful. I'm your host, Travis Day. I never quite figured out how to fit in to this modern American society. When I gave myself permission to stop trying, I started living the life I always dreamed of. When you're born into a world you don't fit into, it's because you were born to help create a new one. This podcast is a deep dive into the unique and inspiring lives of my guests who by living authentically are on a mission to create a new world. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a review, subscribe to the show, and share this episode on social media. Okay, welcome everybody. I have with me a very special guest today, Mr. Seth Brewbaker. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Travis. I'm uh, really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um So we go back to the days of opening Shade in Redondo Beach. It is a hotel on the water and we were both working at the restaurant um we
1: in the trenches as it were yeah <laughs> service industry warriors
0: for sure that was my first restaurant i've ever opened and i it was actually a blast a, a ton of work but i had so much fun and um a big part of the reason why i had so much fun was you sir and your absolute uh, craziness and reckless yeah. abandon <laughs> just I feel like you're just the, you're such a good candidate for the podcast because you just fucking own who you are and you're just a wild man. And it was so much fun.
1: I I, bless you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I've endeavored my whole life to keep myself entertained. And, um, sometimes I let the inner monologue, you know, um, be, be, be completely unedited around people that, you know, I think get me and, <laughs> uh, and you're definitely qualified. We had a great, we had a great, uh, a crew there as with, as with yeah, most things in life, you know, all the great combinations of, of, of people that you're around. It's very fleeting. And I've gotten to a point in my life where I realized that. Mm-hmm. And when I'm, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm in it and I just recognize, I'm just like, I'm just going to savor this. Yeah. Like it was a, a brilliant meal, you know, uh, because those, mm. those times are fleeting. Like the, the those yeah. special people that come into your life that make an impression, um, and that you're around and that you have like a simpatico with, and you know, a, a, a great, uh, a great synergy and chemistry. Those things are very fleeting. So, uh, I'm, I'm wow. thank, thankful that we yeah. got to, uh, hook up, man. <laughs> For
0: sure. And what, you know, what great, what great advice right at the beginning. Um, you know, I, I'm a believer that, that people we need in our lives show up for us. Um, but to think of, think of them as fleeting and really savoring each moment with, with the people in our lives, like, wow, what a, what an awesome thought that is. And, uh,
1: for sure makes me want to be more,
0: be more present and thankful around the people I'm, I'm enjoying being around right now. So right on. And you
1: know what? Um, I was having this conversation last night and, um, Uh, One of the major takeaways of our experience with the pandemic in 2020 in a nutshell really has, I think, been universal in most people I've spoken to about really, really forcing a perspective, really, really kind of distilling what it is that is important to you Mm -hmm. and like um, framing that against, you know, how you see yourself, right? You know, so many people get get caught in that, tr- uh, that, that cycle of, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, uh, eat, eat, sleep, work, and try to get the newest, shiniest thing and, um, listen yep. to, and they just rinse and repeat, you know, and they never really question anything or, you know, they never really appreciate, um, uh, you know, the things that they already have. It's, it's kind of like, yeah.
0: Or you the know, people are, in their lives.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. That And that goes with it, too. Because, you know, everybody else is on their own trip, too. You know, a lot of people are, are kind of just uh, um, head down and, and hunkered into trying to, you know, like the great... Uh, we all, we uh, all were. yeah. John Lennon, you know, he says, uh, you know, life... It's that thing that happens to you while you're making other plans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, was that not society? I mean, it, talk about silver linings. I think that might be the biggest one of all is that we were just on this constant loop of, yeah, put your head down, grind it out, work yeah. it out, buy more, the next more, thing, more, more, more. Right. more. And I don't, we would have never woken up if it wasn't for this pandemic i Absolutely. mean i don't i don't think Absolutely. anything else could have done it so yeah. yeah all
1: my um esoteric new age spiritual you know uh sources that i you know check in with and listen to okay well let's, um, before
0: we go in, into that uh, <laughs>
1: let, let's talk
0: a, let's talk a little bit about you who you are uh okay. and, and <laughs> how you ended up with these esoteric spiritual <laughs> shit that you're into um yeah so who who are you
1: well my name is Seth Brubaker. Um I uh, I was born in Canada uh, while my dad was evading the draft in uh, Vietnam. But don't worry, he's he's spent his life, uh, uh, you know, creating a whole different persona. But um, I grew up in, in Florida, um, and uh, Florida is a crazy place. And I I like to say I successfully escaped Florida. I had to do it twice, um, but I um, I experienced mania. Um, I always knew that I was basically kind of wired differently. you know I had kind of a different way of relating to people and the really- like my mind just worked differently um than when did than, than when did, when people. did you notice that well um early on in school like second grade or so, I um tested really high uh for uh placement and stuff and it was placed in a you know gifted children's program and you know I was able just to really like, um, uh, utilize my, um, processing and memory and attention to detail really in retrospect, Travis, it was to make people like me. It was to make the the teachers like me. It was to, to make my, you know, my parents happy and to make, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, I, early on I found that, you know, people love to laugh. So I, I felt as if that was a, a muscle that I just created all in the, you know, um, effort, but be it self-conscious or uh, subconscious or consciously just to get to people to like me. but it, it was really kind of like utilizing what I had at hand, you know, had it, had I been just a, you know, a, you know, a great natural athlete, maybe I'd have, I'd have, I'd have gone that route, but gotcha so very early on but it, was it, your, it didn't be, it was your
0: ahead. brain cuz you're a you're a brilliant guy you come off as very very intelligent and you have a way with words and you could talk you know forever um but you're <laughs> just you're just yeah, I mean the stories that came out of you when we were working at in at the restaurant. I could have sat there and just listened because you just had this like brilliance, just like flow out of you at the most random times. And you're, I'm just like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? Like, like repeat. I feel like so, I,
1: I didn't realize that I was spending an entire lifetime um, backlogging stories to be to become a writer until about nine years ago when I started working with a with a uh, a writing partner, and then it was just like. All these random uh, stories and all these random sayings and these things that I observed and I have a you know I have a pretty good memory, like I was able to access those things and and utilize them for writing. So I was very um, very pleased <laughs> that I didn't go through all those ridiculous uh, you know uh, uh, hairbrained and uh, uh, self defeating sort of uh, exercises for nothing. I, at least I have something to draw upon you know, for artistic, uh, yeah. uh, inspiration.
0: So you felt, so you felt that early on, you, you figured out how to use it to get people to like you. Um, I think so. I think that, that was early, definitely, early
1: that was just definitely something that, so, you know, I had a kind of interesting, um, upbringing. My, um, uh, like I said, I was born in Canada. My dad was up there during uh, the Vietnam era I met my mom. She's a Canadian. Um, uh, he, uh, he got arrested, uh, for draft evasion. And then he escaped again, went AWOL again. Uh, and I, you know, somewhere along the line, my sister was born and they basically got divorced when I was three. Now, what I didn't find out about until about two years ago is that my dad hitchhiked up to Canada where me and my sister were and kidnapped me as a, as a three-year-old and hitchhiked all the way back down to Florida. So Holy the shit. story that I was um uh, given about that time, you know, 3 years old, is that it was uh it was my idea that I go with my dad and my sister go with my mom and you know and somehow they remained friendly, but it was it was really kind of an act of hostility, you know, uh that my dad just got it in his head that, you know, um this was the, this was, this was his best course of action. And he's, and he's a fairly, um, stubborn, uh, 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 individual opinionated guy. And he just went up there and did it, you know, he just went up and, and so I was raised by a single dad, which is, you know, I don't know a whole lot of, uh, people who were raised by a single dad. And so I think that probably kind of started, you know, I've done a lot of therapy, Travis that probably started that probably, that was probably the catalyst. Uh, the earliest kind of seminal wound uh, catalyst that started me down the path to like trying to make peace right because you know my dad was pretty volatile he liked to drink alcohol uh, there was violence uh, you know around me there was you know uh, always kind of a threat of violence so I think I really just kind of you know made my my, my armor around me uh, as one that you know, really 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 tried very hard to to please people you know and that was you know part of my psyche part of part of what I utilized my intelligence for was to try to you know please people and then of course like you know then you've got like this class thing right so i grew up really poor around really rich people so that was that was a, a, another wild thing that kind of fucked with my um, self confidence and uh, yet another thing that you know you try so hard To get these people to accept you and that's ingrained in us right we have tribalization kind of running through our genes where you know uh, if there's a reason why you can reject somebody from your click it's you know you just hit one of those buttons it's very easy for us to um, uh, create those those uh, entrance uh, uh, requirements and so if you don't hit that so you know that that combination of things and You know, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, whether whether I had a predisposition genetically uh, or my brain was just already uh, came that way with regards to um, bipolar and mania. But that didn't uh, become a uh, issue until I went manic at age 24. And going manic is, um, you know, a, a life changing experience, especially if you don't know what's going on like i literally had never heard the term manic depression except for in the Jimi hendrix song i didn't know why i couldn't sleep i didn't uh understand why my thoughts were racing i just knew that you know all of a sudden everything i was doing seemed extraordinarily important to me you know i had like this did you grandiosity. feel
0: it? did you feel it any sort of buildup to this point i mean when you say you went manic to in a manic state at 24 mm-hmm. was it like was it w- one day you were you were normal or like or you know yeah set, you know and, in, then, and the next day you were kind of uh, you know
1: in uh, in retrospect that is that is uh, literally uh what happens is there is what's called kindling um which you know you get to recognize as you get more um, uh, educated about <laughs> You know, your own sort of uh, spectrum affectation, uh, where it's, you know, uh, ultimately uh, it's emotional, you know, uh, energy, right? So you accumulate these things, whether it was, you know, deep in your past, um, and it just keeps, it keeps building. A- and then if you add some manner of, you know, uh, real time stress to that, whether it's, you know, a relationship, a financial thing, uh, something to do with your job um a combination of all these things you know uh with me uh, it was a combination of all those uh things as and in, in addition to that it was like i i had gone to new york city to go to acting school and to you know uh, be successful as an actor and that wasn't happening so you know there's like blaming yourself there's you know blaming others and so when you add all that real time th- 3d kind of you know stressors it also like interrupts that attic of saved uh, of, uh, emotional energy that you 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 you've subverted up there, and that that was really like the conclusion that I came to, uh, Travis, is that you know mania and bipolar that's just one way that our psyches um, uh, manifest and uh, execute that that extra energy, right? Like it could like if I was wired a different way, it might have it might've expressed itself as uh, depression or it might've expressed itself as schizophrenia or OCD or uh, a a different sort of um, addiction or just really just disease. You know, I I wholeheartedly believe that uh, the nature of most disease uh, is emotional. You know, I think that there is a, um, there's a breakdown in your immune system and that's where that energy is going to go. So for me, Uh, that was that was uh, portrayed by by mania and so you know
0: so you had a lot of shit you were just stuffing away stuff
1: that you didn't even know was there i mean that's Mm. a very that's an infamous uh, crutch you know for people um with uh with 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 mania and uh, bipolar is you know they they call them um, uh, dual diagnosis right so they have um they have a uh self medicating sort sort of crutch right so so with me you know alcohol and drugs would you know f- make me feel better you know until they didn't right until, until you build up your tolerances and it didn't work and then it became a problem and then guess what you're doing you're adding more real estate to your you know your emotional energy storage space and eventually you run out of space and you, there's a correction and that's and that for uh, in my understanding, was mania,
0: okay, and that's what happened at 24.
1: Yep, and then once again at 28, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to like root out. You know the causes. I was literally just like, "What happens is." Um, uh, can you me, talk?
0: Can you talk about the the first day or the first experience of? Oh my what, gosh! What well, you went through.
1: Yeah, the um, you know, the mania is just kind of like a gradual build up. And then, you know, you, you um, it, 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 involves losing, uh, sleep increased, uh, brain activity. Um, I, uh, mentioned that, you know, grandiosity, right? So your thoughts are racing, you can't sleep and this, and this starts to add up, right? So the more time you spend sleep deprived, the more that becomes like its own drug, like you're under the influence of sleep deprivation. So. You know, uh, things become like your senses become much more heightened. You become much more um, uh, aware of um, everything around you and everything takes on more importance. Now, here's the thing, too, is if you're aware of or um, exposed to or you have a you have a history of, say, something important like the Bible or conspiracy theories or, you know, um, a a belief that, you know, goes towards like, you know, uh, important, you know, prominent families. Well, people with mania tend to like attach themselves to grandiose things because it makes all of what it is that they're doing all that much more important, right? Because now, now you're doing it for a cause, you know, now you're, You know, you're now you're running around trying to, um, you know, prove that you're, you know, Jesus or you're in touch with God or, you know, you're trying to let everybody know that, you know, the Illuminati is running the Federal Reserve. And if you just open your and so you 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 really do um, kind of lose track, I say that normally there's a line between fantasy and reality. And then after a certain amount of sleep deprivation, um, it becomes blurrier and blurrier until you're like, was there ever really a line? So you're, Mm. you know, you, you end up being like the thought becomes the action.
0: Yeah, well, maybe, I mean, the deeper we get into 2020, I feel like the line's really blurry.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a whole Uh, other thing. I mean, if you you factor in fake news, it's like that was the most brilliant thing ever in (laughs) politics because you're like, oh, you don't like the truth? That's fake news. Yeah.
0: Um. So let. And, uh I heard something not too long ago, and it was like our brain's ability to make sense of what's happening to us, even if it's mm-hmm. not re, if it's not real. It's like your brain will will make up stories and will tell you these, um, insane kind of like timelines and like what what's happening in order to make whatever you're going through. Right. See, it'll it'll normal.
1: rationalize. Yeah. Yeah. Your decisions. Well, there's. You know, you've heard of the concept of cognitive bias, right? Cognitive bias is um, uh, uh, inherent in being a human being where we will um, ultimately figure out a narrative that makes our decisions correct, right? Like, so the classic example is the guy who got kicked out of the Beatles, Stuart Sutcliffe. He was interviewed later on, you know, before he died, and he said, oh, I'm much better off not having been in the Beatles, which you know, <laughs> you've either got a choice. You've either got to say that and and figure out a way to believe it, yeah. Or you got to spend your life in absolute uh, anguish and yeah. and uh, you know telling you so. So you do that exactly. You you figure out a way to fill in the blanks. Like, did you ever see uh, the film Beautiful Mind? Yeah, of course. You know, that's yeah. a and that's a completely different affectation of the mind, but it also kind of uh, uh shows you that these things that to a to a, uh, uh an onlooker would just seem ridiculous you're like why would you believe that you know these numbers are m- m- are so meaningful and that there's national security about, you know you can you you can't know what this guy is experiencing you know until you well, walk in his shoes right
0: what, so what were you ex- what
1: were you experiencing at oh, that point oh my god so I was, I, and that's the other thing I, I talk about it in my book about, you know, you're on these missions, you know, they could be like season long arcs. They could be episode long <laughs> arcs and they could be like moment to moment little arcs where you feel as if, you know, you're being guided, um, like by destiny, right. Um, you're being, uh, uh shown the way to go. And then, of course, um, uh, it's it's like when you have a blue car, you notice all the blue cars, right? So if you're looking for sevens, you know, or elevens, all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's one. I'm going to walk this way, you know. Uh, the universe is telling me to do this, right? Which seems, of course, ridiculous, but um, that is yeah. kind of what guides you because, and then you've got a whole lot of time on your hands, right? So you're you're building you're building momentum by like literally walking around I mean to put it in perspective um, I walked one time uh, uh, basically about 16 18 hours a day for a month like I just literally just kept walking like completely homeless completely penniless like did uh, like I literally gave away cars and I gave you know like I spent every every cent that I had and I was I literally lost like 50 pounds. And it was like just this momentum, right? They, you just feel this push. I call it a raw nerve dangling. Like you are, you are subject to a, an enormous amount of weight. And really, in retrospect, that's that's what's going on. Is the, that emotional energy wants to see the light of day, it wants you to acknowledge it, it wants you to name it and deal with it and process it. You know, and a so person- you couldn't. There's no way you could sit still at
0: that point. Oh my god! You were god, just no. had to
1: just go. No. No, I needed I needed medication. I needed uh, to be taken down. And you know they give you antipsychotic medication. You know I was on risperdal and um, uh, Depakote and things like this, where you know you you feel like you weigh about six hundred pounds, and that will wow. that will definitely. And this is only after you know fighting cops naked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> please, please, please. Can we talk yeah. about?
1: That? <laughs> oh wow! So I I literally started to go manic in New York. Uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, uh, which uh, I, I had—I I, I got basically evicted out of my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, uh, staying at—I uh, I staying at some friends' houses. I lost my job, um, didn't have any money, and I was just—I was just like impossible to be around, right? Like I just—you know—I no, didn't feel as if anybody could understand how important things I was doing was. And then they, um, my family, my sister ended up sending me a a ticket, you know, to come home to Florida. It was right around Thanksgiving. And so I went down there and I'm just a fucking mess. You know, I'm, I'm just talking all kinds of crazy shit about conspiracies and, you know, um, you know, CIA is listening to me and Russian mafia. And, you know, like I had all these, you know, random, random, random things, you know, that sounded just insane because they were, they were delusional. They were they weren't really happening it was it was literally you know my mind just you know and you believe you connecting these dots oh for sure for sure i i and but i was easily distracted too because you know you're you know you're up most of the, i got to a point travis where i could only sleep about 15 minutes at a time holy shit so man. after about 3 or 4 weeks you know i was i was i was you know just um Uh, brutalized. Like my psyche was just brutalized. And I ended up, you know, get, uh, breaking into a friend's house and uh, staying there and, uh, taking uh, her golf cart on this crazy, you know, adventure. And then the police came and ran from the police and, you know, they, they, on the golf cart, on the golf cart. Yeah. I wrecked the golf cart. My, uh, they, the police chased me and they, they, they found me in the, this house that I had broken into. And, you know, there was a shotgun in the room that I had found, and I was naked. Oh, and they they pepper sprayed the shit out of me. Oh my uh, god! They handcuffed me, threw me down this flight of stairs. You know, and oh. by the time I came to, I was outside, uh, handcuffed and and pepper sprayed, uh, uh, naked. And I literally oh, in my man. in my head, I was in a war movie. Like I was so I was so completely delusional. I felt like I was in a war movie and I could hear bullets and stuff going by. I was having hallucinations and I didn't know why I couldn't move my arms, but I'm just like literally like pushing my face against the leaves on the ground. Um, and they like basically let me languish out there for a while. Um, and then, um, one of the, uh, officers, uh, who heard the call was actually, um, he was a friend of mine. I used to work with his brother at a restaurant. And so he came and got me and took me to jail. So I got, I got charged with some pretty serious felonies, you know, and, um, I was in county jail in Florida for, for 90 days, uh, while they kind of waited for a court date. And then they really didn't know what to do with me. Um, they sent me to a rehab program, uh, which was six months long and three, I got three years probation. Uh, so I was kind of stuck in Florida for the next three years. And, you know, by the time I got to the, to the rehab, the, the mania had, had worn off, right? Like it's, it, okay. it, 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 it runs its cycle. You cannot have a, a hurricane last forever, right? Like it is, it's such an enormous amount of energy. And, and some of the theories are that um, you, you actually get adrenal fatigue, you know, like um, adrenal fatigue is, is, is largely blamed for postpartum depression because it's so exhaustive on your body to make a baby and to deliver a baby that, After you're done, your adrenal glands are just like, you know, they're, 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 they're beaten up, you know, they need time to uh, refract. And one of my, you know, later psychiatrists told me that, you know, depression is the price you pay for mania, right? So you go through a kind of a natural, like long hangover of like getting your systems back. Because, you know, when you're manic, you feel like a fucking superhero, right? I mean, you have more energy than, than you've ever had in your life. Uh, I was going to say at the beginning when you.
0: Yeah, when you first started talking, it almost seemed like a superpower. You said you have heightened awareness and, and you oh. Know, you're I, just you, on like it.
1: I don't like doing math. Like I literally like it, it, it I feel like I'm dyslexic when it comes to math. I was able to do advanced math and remember, you know, I had like a, a, a calling card number. That was like twenty five digits for some reason, <laughs> and I could remember that like this. Like it, it's so weird. You can remember. It's almost like you're on the verge of being psychic too. Your mm. your your observational skills are are heightened, and wow. you know. Of course, these are not across the board. One hundred percent of people who go yeah, manic yeah, and bipolar yeah. have this exact same experience. You know, yeah, I've read not. some some books about. You know, uh, different people, uh, celebrities that go manic. And it just literally sounds boring to me. Like, they're like, oh, I was extra charming at, at cocktail parties and I kind of bought a house on a whim. They're like, yeah, <laughs> look, Jane Pauly, you're, you're adorable, but, you know, I was, I was fighting cops naked on <laughs> on pepper spray. But uh, so, so yes, yeah, so yeah, that so, was the first one.
0: <clears throat> so, my, my sister was finally diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, I see. Um, and you said they don't know what to do with you at that point, And it, and it just, for, for me right now, dealing with this and watching my family deal with it, the biggest thing that comes up is what do you, what do you do with someone like that? It, it seems like Question. there's really, yeah. there's the mental health crisis is Enormous, and it seems like we have no idea how to treat this stuff, no idea what to do with someone in, in a scenario like that. You're not, I mean, you're not a, a felon, you're not a, a crazy right. person going around right. doing all this stuff to, you know, get, s- yeah, you have, you have a freaking di- disorder of the, of
1: the brain or absolutely what you and call it's it. A, it's been a, pr- it's been a, it's been an issue through history. Yeah. You know, I mean, people, people that have been, um, uh, you know uh, differently affected by by mental disorders or un- imbalances you know I don't want to you know um, label anybody uh, something that they don't feel comfortable with but, I don't know the know, correct term on that so it's been a part of it. it's been a part of uh, you know the artist temperament you know for mm-hmm. as long as people have noticed that some uh, some artists actors and writers and artists uh have very very serious swings you know in their in their temperament and you know i I read a great book called touched by fire and that's kind of the crux of what they wanted to do is they went back and they uh, retroactively psychoanalyzed you know some prominent uh, artists from you know 300 years ago to the to the uh, former and and they put them in different groups you know everyone from van gogh to you know these uh, irish writers and james joyce and you know hunter thompson and uh, you know uh, hemingway um and they fall into some pretty recognizable groups Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you know it's a pie graph right like if you've got if you've got an influx of you know creativity and it takes up a huge chunk of your pie. Then you know there's not a whole lot of other real estate left for you know other things. You know where you can express uh, you know remorse, and you you can be you can be an upstanding citizen and do do this, that, and the other thing. Pay attention to rules and social cues. You know it, it, it just gets diminished. I think, and it's it's a fairly it's a fairly straightforward uh, thing. You know, I mean, there's a there's a, a huge amount of um uh, evidence that uh, high functioning uh, uh intellectuals you know will fall into some of these groups right where there's uh, they you know and then you go even further and you know you see you see different people on the autistic spectrum that have unbelievable capabilities yep. and yet Some other things are diminished. So, um, well,
0: that's—I mean—that's where the society of the you know fit everybody in this one box just kills me because you know you look at a kid who struggles in school who may be dyslexic, but they're the frickin' brightest kid in in the room. Unfortunately, they don't fit in to the way we've structured things, you know, and so they just
1: get made fun of. Bill Gates is Asperger's. You know, there's Mm. there's different uh, levels of the spectrum, and then of course there's you know um, theories abound about what that means to our species. do We, we have had an enormous uptick in uh, autistic spectrum uh, uh, children in the past 20 years, especially. And you know, one of the guys that's up for the Nobel Prize in Medicine, his paper is called, Will Your Grandchildren Be a Different Species Than You? And his theory is that this is how our uh, DNA is expressing itself because we are no longer uh, a hunter-gatherer uh, 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 society we don't need all of those skill sets what we need is somebody who can be unbelievably laser focused on three and four dimensional concepts with uh, without getting up out of their chair for 12 hours and what do you think autistic kids can do it's a much more quantum sort of communication process that goes Interesting. on with yeah
0: yeah i don't know about that that seems like
1: Right. Well, they're probably com- deal, yeah. dealing with dealing with the communication and the expectations of the people that aren't on the same wavelength and frequency. You know, do you think it could
0: be? Do you think it could be? Um, you know, part of the reason that's happening is because of our lack of connection and our lack of of living the way I feel like we're supposed to be living. I I would prefer to live back in in the hunter gatherer days. Right. You know.
1: Right. And and, that's, and it, there's going to be a place for all that. But yeah. you know the, the the kids that are leaning that way, yeah, I, I are going to the ones saying. that figure out the next really important you know platforms in which to, to place uh, uh, the next uh, level of technology, the next level of expression. I, I truly believe that there's a there's there's a much more complicated uh, ways in which to intuit what it is that they are actually doing. You know, I think that these kids definitely have a lot more. And as far as like, yeah, you know, society dealing with it. Society deals yeah. with things that make them uncomfortable, right? They they don't necessarily deal with things um, well, what uh, it, for the betterment of the individual, right? Like, of course not. <laughs> so what
0: what did they do with you?
1: At that, well, they just after they you, just, yeah. After I got arrested, um, they they literally just um, you know at a court level wrote it off as uh, an intoxication um incident and sent me to rehab so i was with 120 crackheads and a lady who uh wrote um uh, fraudulent prescriptions from a stolen notepad and then um you know a couple of just like straight up hobos that were winos like so i didn't I didn't fit in there either, man. Holy and, shit, dude. Talk, yeah. Can you talk about that? For How long were you there? Oh, my God. Uh, I was there for six months. Holy um, shit. In, in Jensen Beach, Florida, at a program called CARP. And, um, you know, uh, it's so funny. I, I, was, I was part of this video log program uh, during quarantine. And it was a daily check-in of, you know, what's going on with you and how you're doing. And you were, you were, you were to have a goal. And, um, about three weeks into this, uh, eight week, uh, exercise, uh, an old friend of mine, um, uh, died and I heard that hurt word that he had died and he had had, you know, m- mental issues and addiction issues. And he ended up, you know, dying. He was, he was homeless. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was heartfelt and he was such a, he was such a very, um, uh, interesting and uh, well-loved guy, especially by you know, the people that went to high school with him. I think it kind of peaked in high school because you know that was where he was you know uh, having the most the most fun. but I changed my goal of the video log. I changed I, I started to write a book because i I was inspired by you know this experience with John. so I met I met up with this guy in jail and he was the very first one. Because he had already been through about eight rehabs, you know, by the time that, you know, uh, we we met up when I was 24 in county jail. Um, And he knew about bipolar. And he was the first one to say those words to me. You know, he's like, oh, you're experiencing, you know, you experienced a manic episode because I told him exactly what happened. He's like, yeah, this is textbook. And so, uh, you know, I started to educate myself, you know, based on him. And funnily enough, I ran into him again when I was 28 out in L.A uh, he, uh, when I was manic again, and that was, you know, by that time I, I knew what to say. So you didn't get thrown in jail. You got thrown into the, you know, the, the, uh, psych, psych ward.
0: Gotcha. So, okay. So you're so you went to rehab, you, you got out of rehab.
1: Got out of um, rehab. I had, I had did uh, li- three years probation. So I just basically went back to, you know, I, did you I go went back, back to work. Did your life get back? I to, did. I just, okay. I worked, uh, I worked in the, uh, carp, carp cart as a carpenter as helper, you know, in the keys. And, you know, I continued to self-medicate because I didn't feel as if what they were telling me about 12 steps really resonated with me. Um, I didn't get any kind of therapy. I didn't, uh, get any kind of, I didn't do any kind of work, uh, that had to do with, Looking for and identifying the things that were driving my, you know, fear, anxiety, and, 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 yeah. you know, did, emotional.
0: Did they think it was just a drug problem? Did they know what, did they tell you what it was? Did they have honestly, recommendations honestly, for you? Honestly,
1: Travis, they didn't really give a fuck. They didn't know what to do with me. And um, uh, in Florida, the number four industry is corrections. So, uh, building and maintaining prisons and keeping people on probation is a huge business, is a huge, huge business. And, um, you know, it's not connected to mental health per se. Um, there's, you know, there's different uh, uh, ways that those things are connected to government programs like SSI and disability and things. But, you know, for the most part, they're just going to, they're just going to lump everybody together. It's kind of like, you know, did you know that LA County Jail, is the largest mental health facility in the world. Mm. They have, they have uh, a bug wing is what they call, you know, they have a mental health wing. And I, I, at last count, I heard it was like 2000 people in, in LA County jail. And of course, you know, you're treating them like prisoners, but they're, you know, they're people with pronounced uh, problems.
0: Oh God, that makes me sick. I mean, and, and talk, you know, my poor sister going through this whole thing. She didn't know what was happening to her. She, the st- things she told us, we didn't really know how to how to deal with it. We never had anybody ever say like, "Oh, maybe she might, you know, be schizophrenic," or you know, this this could be happening. It was just, su- su- you know, well, just lumped in with everybody it. else. Like, it's and no one wanted to talk about that.
1: it. Yeah, you don't want to hear that as a family member. You don't want to hear that as an individual. If somebody tells you you've got a chronic disease of the mind. And that you are "quote unquote" crazy, you know. Nobody wants to do, wants to be given a, a sentence the, like that.
0: Yeah, but oh, let me tell you, man, we would have taken it because now yeah. that it, she has been diagnosed, it is such a relief. You know, it's an it's an explanation of of what's been going on because we I and everyone has their own opinion in our family, and that's what makes mm-hmm. it so so hard. And it, I've seen my family almost get torn apart. A couple of times trying to deal with this because everybody has their own opinion of what's going on and how to deal with it because we're not getting any sound advice from any medical professionals or or given a plan to okay this is how you treat it this is what you need to do it's kind of like fuck man she's on she's on her own you got to let her go on her own her own journey and it's just, we're supposed to sit here and just watch it, you know, and yeah. she's been yeah. in facilities and facilities and doctors write the prescriptions and on, on, to the next. They don't even give a shit.
1: Right. So, and then of course, you know, that calls into question, you know, the, the Western medical kind of, yeah. uh, approach to everything, you know, I mean, it was, it was only about a hundred years ago that, you know, they, they just decided it was better off, you know, to treat everything with drugs and every every single drug has side effects and you can treat those side effects with more drugs. And before you, you know, can ever uh, do any sort of healing uh, you know, then you've got to deal with the fact that you're under these heavy, heavy fucking drugs, you know? So I, I, um, I empathize with anybody Hmm. connected to, you know, mental health because it's, it's a, it's a complex uh, thing. It's, it's completely individual, um, you know, and it's, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, success stories, but I've seen a whole, whole lot of failures, you know, of failures of um, the system, failures of individuals, you know, people that just don't want to deal. You know, I was talking to this kid yesterday and um, uh, it was a friend of a friend, you know, through uh, Facebook, put me in touch with this kid who's, who's having a manic episode. And I just talked to him as, as well as I could, you know, for a couple hours about, you know, relating you know, my experience to him and what I had learned and how it is that I came out the other end and what I do for self-care, you know, and, and uh, trying to impart upon him that, you know, as as horrible as it feels to be in that kind of cycle, there's a possibility of getting out on the other end. You know, as long as you give somebody hope, you know, they will go along for a pretty crazy ride, right, They'll that, you know, as long as you feel as if there's, there's, they have motivation and morale and momentum, that there's a possibility that they're kind of come out, you know, I mean, Robin Williams killed himself, because the doctors, you know, basically told him what was going on with him was just going to get worse, you know, he was gonna, he was gonna lose more and more and more of who he was. And, you know, ultimately, you know, that's what I believe, you know, he, he he took like his uh, the best day that he had where he could function his best. And he just like, you know, solved something and did it, you know, empowered himself to do that. But it's, you know, uh, people who are young, people who are dealing with these, you know, very, very scary sort of prognoses. Um, they need to know that it's, it's something that can be handled. It can be something that's, that's going to work.
0: Yeah. That's the scariest part. I've, I've suffered from depression for a, a long, long time. And, um, you know, as a kid, you don't really underst even understand what's going on. And for me, it's almost like, you don't, I didn't know another way. So I just figured like this was normal, you know, right. like oh, it's, right. it must be normal to feel like shit for a, a week straight and not want to yeah. do anything. And right like you know thank god on the, on the other side i think as you get older you you start to realize okay i have ups and downs you know there are ways to to deal with this stuff but man yeah. sometimes i would get in those depression depressive moods and not know how to get out of it and you're just yeah.
1: sitting in that you, shit for you think it's going to be forever absolutely and if, and it feels like it's uh vertically integrated where, you know, if you don't yeah. feel like getting out and moving your body, yeah. you know, get do doing some, you know, exercise or eating well, you know, you just keep repeating yeah. the, the shitty, shitty decisions and you end up, you know, feeling even worse, you know, getting more and more detached and deteriorated. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and ultimately it's like, what made you feel better? Did it make you feel better yeah. to access some, some memories Of you know, if you if you've got even a hint of you know what it was that hurt you, you know, was it was it uh, uh, mixed feelings about a divorce? Well, let's talk. Let's talk
0: about you. How did you you? So you went manic again at twenty eight. Yes. Was that episode as as pretty similar to the first one? Or
1: yeah, it was um, it was even more uh, prolonged. I mean, I went I went from. um, I I describe Mania in my book as being very similar to the old arcade game Asteroids, where like you're in a ship and you're shooting these, you're shooting these asteroids that are coming at you. But if you get into a spot where, you know, there's no way out, you press the hyperspace button and it just wormholes you to some (laughs) other spot. And it might be even worse, but it might be better. Well, Mania was my, was my, my, my hyperspace button. I went from Florida to LA, from uh, LA, uh, down to Saint uh, uh, Long Beach, to Vegas, to L.A., to Mexico, and then to Washington. And I was just tear assing everywhere, spending all the money. I had I had wanted to move, you know, out to L.A. You know, now that that my uh, probation was was over, and uh, you know, I had all these plans. You know, stay with friends, get a job, yada yada. But you know, I started to push, uh, the kindling and stupidly didn't know. Um, I was, uh, I was dabbling with oral, um, uh, uh, what do you call those, uh, steroids, uh, because I wanted to get my body, you know, where I thought it, it should be to be, you know, uh, actor ready. Right. And, uh, steroids are like jet fuel for mania. So not only did I, you know, have some super stressors, you know, in expectations and momentum in my life, I added some horrible, you know, uh, ingredients to that in the form of anabolic steroids. Mm-hmm. And so I was just on a complete tear for months, for months, I was homeless. And um, I, I, I bounced around and, you know, got in some trouble, uh, never got arrested that time. But I ended up um, in a treatment facility in uh, Washington State uh, in, uh, in Seattle first 5150 again, and, um, you know, ended up uh, staying up there in a, in a, um, a mission. Uh, i would stayed I'd say it in a couple of different missions. Um, you know, when you're, when you're homeless, you can find a bed, um, if you follow the rules, uh, staying at like Salvation Army missions and stuff. And, it was uh, it was very colorful, you know. I met lots of interesting people, had lots of interesting adventures. Probably put a whole lot of mileage on my body, um, and once again lost like sixty pounds just by you know walking around, you know, interacting with people. And uh, by the time that you know every, the dust settled, you know, I was up in at Washington State and li- I ended up living there for about a year. But um, yeah, there was um, a very similar cycle. Okay. Of, of kindling and build up. And still, when I got got through with that, I didn't make the um, connection uh, to access, you know, uh, that emotional energy that, that was bothering me. I didn't make the connection to uh, stop self-medicating. You know, I was adamant in the fact that I thought that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And um, how did you, you know, how did you f- figure that out? When did you start? Uh, it wasn't until I met my, uh, my wife, um, I met her when I was, uh, 31, I had moved back, uh, to LA and, um, she had had some experience, you know, with people in her life with, uh, with, with addiction issues and people with, you know, mental issues. Um, and so, you know, kind of, it was like the first time in my life, Travis, where the stakes were higher than just me. Right. Because when I met her, she had a little three year old boy who I just fell madly in love with both of them at the same time. uh, His dad had never been in the picture. And um, I really felt as if um, I needed to take stock, you know, and and, um, so I I saw a therapist um, uh, eventually, you know, understood that I could I could not drink socially. I could not, you know, do drugs you know, on, uh, recreationally, it was just not something, um, that fit, uh, what I wanted to accomplish, which was be, a be a husband and a father. And, you know, we, we got together and we got married and I adopted her, her son, Jack, who's now mine. And, um, then we had another baby, you know, uh, within a year of getting married and, you know, I mean, it's been difficult to figure out, um, the, the kind of, uh, the signs that I need to address things and, you know, having a partner that doesn't take any shit, having a partner that, you know, n- is ruthlessly, uh, in pursuit of, you know, truth and, um, uh, making you completely, uh, own who it is you are and what it is you're doing changed, you know, change, changed who I am. Right. So I, you know, through therapy, you know, learn to access, you know, those things about, about my life and my fears and my anxieties and phobias and, you know, the things that drove me, um, you know, and it's just a a, a constant, you know, um, self-care exercise, right? Like I have to make sure that I have creative outlets. I have to make sure that I'm eating well. I have to make sure that I'm sleeping. I'm, I take a nap every day. You know, that's part of something, uh, you know, that, that really does affect me. Like I don't have to sleep as much as most people. I sleep maybe, you know, uh, five uh, hours, six hours, uh, most. Uh, but I just, I take a nap every day and, and it's really just about being honest with my emotions. You know, if, if, if things are affecting me, I need to, you know, give voice to it, you know, and I'm still, I'm still a freak, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I still, I still, uh, uh, uh always identify as as being you know like outside of the norm it's not like you know you stop being bipolar when you're not manic you know you you definitely have a different way you know i've been i've been medication and uh, and mania free for almost 20 years right so it it is definitely it is definitely working uh for me but n- not every single day of that 20 years has been a you know Uh, fucking rainbows you know i mean i have i have had days where you know i i have felt really shitty about myself i have felt days where i felt very angry you know and and it's just um, my my tact is to try to lean into that stuff and to be honest with it and and process it as as organically as i can and you know if i can if i can do that without self-medicating which makes it makes it much worse for me um it is it is a huge win beautiful
0: so you have it sounds like you have a solid self care regiment and you're right with your emotions when they come up
1: it is it is man and you know um i've been lucky enough to be um around some some great influences you know and uh different things that i've i've tried that do uh work for me as far as you know meditation and spirituality and you know uh, uh, dietary kind of regulations. And, you know, I'm not saying there's a one size fits all. I'm saying that, you know, people definitely need to find what resonates with them. You know, I, mean? I think some people absolutely need medication their whole lives, right? Because uh, that tenuous grasp on control is, is so difficult for them to own. It's like some people, um, uh, whatever drove them to become an addict, like they're gonna need they're gonna need to go to twelve uh, step program meetings their whole life, right? And some people will get exposed to those meetings and get it what it is that they need to get out of it, and they can they they don't need those meetings anymore. They don't need that support. But it's almost like you assign value to something and you believe it, and it works for you, right? Whether it's voodoo or Catholicism yeah. or Scientology or uh, a yoga, you know, I mean part of that value is your, your belief in what's going to happen. Totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> talked about that the other day of how, you know, powerful our beliefs are and the whole placebo effect and, and who gives a shit if there's no medicine in if it. If your brain convinced you and it's working <laughs> should just be proof of how powerful
1: our, our beliefs are. Um, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's something valuable in, <clears throat> in, um, Uh, believing that you have something to do with it as, uh, uh, you know, your own, Mm -hmm. your own energetic value, if you feel as if your whole world is uh, um, based and predicated upon you taking that special pill every morning, and if you miss taking that special pill, then it's all going to fall apart. You're you believe that wholeheartedly, it's going to fucking happen. Yeah, you know, definitely. If, if, if you believe you take one drink and you're going to be off to the races, that's kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I fucking love it, man. <laughs> I miss you, dude. I miss working with you.
1: Those I miss just... you, brother. I'm I'm so I'm so pleased uh, to see all your you know your your progresses and the things that you've you know. Um, uh, focused your energy upon because it's it's all done with a lot of love you know you're the things that i see you doing i'm just so proud of you and you know making these these spiritual breakthroughs and you know kind of like shedding uh that uh, uh that light you know on different things it's 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 been it's been great uh great to be a part of And I'm, I'm just glad you're glad you're in my life travis and i'm uh-huh. glad you're on the, on a really cool path
0: Thanks, man. I pre- appreciate that a lot. For for me, a lot of it was self love. I hate I hated myself for the longest time. You know, why couldn't I fit in? Why didn't I work harder? Why wasn't I making money? Why, you know, why was I me? Why couldn't I be somebody else? And I just I right. beat myself up right. and and just hated myself until you know one day it got to be too much. And and you know I've gone through my own journey and done my own own stuff, but I got to a point of you know loving and accepting myself for. Who I am and and that's been my biggest breakthrough and just enjoying life and feeling joy for the first time
1: and you know Amen. All of that. Amen. So I, and if you <laughs> I, oh, I was gonna yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say we, we we really do end up getting to a point where we analyze like what our motivations are and where we got those motivations. And a lot of times it's other people and other sources telling us, you know, whether it's advertising, media or family, you know, something that you know you you you've been told should you should want but you but it really doesn't resonate with you
0: yeah we drink the kool-aid from an early age and screws us all mm-hmm. up <laughs> so how, yeah yeah it is yeah um how did you get to the well i think it's yeah i think your wife had a huge a huge role in your uh
1: Oh, no doubt. I, I give her, yeah, maybe huge know, is
0: an understatement. It sounds, yeah. I give
1: her complete credit. Yeah. That's the joke yeah. is, you know, um, I gave her a kidney last year. Uh, she, she had uh, a kidney yeah. disease. And so I, I was a, a perfect match for her, you know, uh, gave her kidney and, so it's, cool. and it's, almost like, you know, a payoff, right? Yeah, you, for, owe, you owed it. <laughs> All the time, you know, I save not, uh, you know, uh, being left to my own devices. Cause it's, it's true. You know, if, if, um, if you've got nothing to live for other than yourself, and that's kind of the crux of my book is John. Let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about your book. Sure. It's really kind of a story of, you know, um, a, a, a journey of, uh, of going through these, these, these manic experiences and what, and what I learned along the way, but it's also kind of like what happened with me, And the decisions that I made because of what was offered to me was was diametrically opposite of what um, happened with John. John never had the opportunity or the motivation or the desire to change anything. You know, he just kept he just kept repeating the same cycles, you know, and, you know, uh, his demons that drove him um were you know probably a, lo- a lot scarier than mine you know he was uh he 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 was a product of um uh se- sexual um uh um violation at a young age by a trusted family member and you know that was you know so he he had he had some very pronounced things but he also you know kept repeating Uh, patterns. And that ended up with him, you know, being um, alone, schizophrenic, homeless, uh, and drug addicted and dead. Whereas, you know, I, I literally wanted, you know, people like, like John that could be on the same path to understand that, you know, it's, it's as difficult as it is as hard and um, well established as your demons are it really is a uh, beatable you know battle like you can you can literally go in there and if you have the desire to start you can start cleaning that shit out you know it doesn't have to it doesn't have to you know ruin everything uh so i really kind of follow our our two paths yeah. um and then um you know hopefully uh, all all i really um hope to do is to you know give people you know um, a, a story that they can relate to if they're going through something or if they know somebody who's going through something similar, uh, and just give them some hope, you know, and spread some compassion and empathy for what they are going through, uh, and try to at least show it what has worked for me. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's going to work for everybody, uh, but identifying, you know, the, 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 pain, you know, uh, examining it because something crazy happens when you go back and you examine the things that, um, you know, happen to you is you realize that you've just re- been repeating a story yeah. to yourself. And you, when you really go through those, those annals of memory with, with a bright light, you see the details and you see, you know, well, maybe, maybe I wasn't the hero or the victim. Maybe I was, you know, uh, uh doing things in this way. And, you know, maybe I should, you know make a lot of apologies and maybe uh maybe i'm actually i i think that the people involved uh kind of fucked me over and they were fucking selfish and you know you see it with fresh eyes because you know we're we're constantly changing you know our our cells ourselves are replenishing we're not the same person that we were when we were you know in initially hurt you know, we're not the same person that we were when we went through some experiences. And we're also not the same people we were when we made fucking goals for ourselves when we were 22 and 23 years old. And we thought, what well, we knew what we wanted to do with our life. Well, you can trade your heroes out. You can trade what it is that you want your, your story and your dream to be. So that's kind of my.
0: God, amen. Well, they say <laughs> tra- trauma healed becomes medicine that I can't. Is, is your book, Um, is it done? Is it?
1: coming it's, out. it's it's done and i'm and i'm working on uh self-publishing awesome. i have uh i've been i, I would love jockeying to read it jockeying that around. yeah man i'll, I'll yeah. send you an advanced manuscript for sure for sure yeah it's, well
0: uh, I, I love the quote too that they say uh, don't or don't hold me accountable for something i said 10 minutes ago
1: because <laughs> 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 it's so true we're cha- we're constantly changing and yeah you know, if you think do you about know it, you um, can... do you know biologically the only cells in your body that don't change it's um, the the cells that form your iris, and the deepest part of the um, uh, 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 aorta in your heart. So, isn't that very telling? Every single thing on your body completely changes, but the way you see things and the way you feel things in your heart, those things stay wow. <laughs> from the time that you're a you know you're a yep. fetus. <laughs> I yep. just thought we thought that was so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right on
0: oh, beautiful man that's, that's all right brother so cool. i
1: I really 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 enjoyed talking to you and i wish you the most success of everything in in all facets of your life including this podcast i think you're you're on to some great stuff man you
0: oh, thank you so much seth and quickly before you go why don't you just tell people what, what you're doing now i mean we didn't even touch on your acting you're a, you're oh. such a passionate actor um, you're filming or or recording some stuff tomorrow, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got, a, um, I've got a, somebody recommended me for a thing tomorrow, and it's a um, a a life coach uh, a guy named Jay. Uh, uh, God, Shelton. No, my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder his name. <laughs> 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 but he is, uh, it, it is a small, uh, small, little miniature film, and it's kind of like done for um, uh, educational purposes. Oh my gosh! I can't believe I can't. I forgot the guy's name, but um,
0: he's probably is. not going to listen. J so Shetty,
1: S H E T T Y. He's got 35, 37 million community between his uh different. Oh. He used to be a monk, and he wrote a he wrote a book uh about thinking like a monk. Um, uh, but it, he sounds like an interesting guy. And it's a it's a great script. I I like the script. So yeah, I'm I'm acting. I'm trying, you know, actively to um write screenplays and do other things with writing uh but that's it you know in the meantime i'm uh uh, uh hel- helping my uh my wife and my family and working at restaurants and you know the, the usual hustle
0: <laughs> well you're just I, I mean seth you're always going after your passion you're just such an open open book and and willing to share your experience and help heal people and you're just an amazing guy so thank you so much for being
1: being here back at Pre- you travis appreciate that love for your brother I love Sethi. All right, bro. All right. <laughs> <Thank> you, <man. laughs> Take care. Right, bye. bye.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to stupid, beautiful. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your loved ones and maybe that cousin that you just can't stand. The most transformational experiences of my life have all started with the conversation. And I'm so grateful that you are here with me for this one. If you resonated with what you heard today, head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It really helps expand the reach of this podcast. To stay connected with me, you can follow me on Instagram at travis.day. As always, sending you my love and more importantly, giving you permission to forget the reality you've been sold and start creating your own.